We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Early 2022 NFL Fantasy ADP, how things are going to shake up and how we think it should be rather than how it may be. We're going to talk about that on today's show as we go through some early ADP from some FFPC drafts to give us a little bit of an idea of how the dust may start to settle or the the landscape may start to form from a fantasy football perspective. It's going to be a fun one, Sean. I always like diving into this. There's not going to be many drafts, but we are going to be getting involved pretty soon as well. So, the ADP will shift from draft to draft quite drastically, I think, at times. But I think the players that are in those first two rounds will likely remain the same for the majority of the offseason pre-NFL draft. Anyway, that's for sure. The other thing, Sean, I want to talk about is the Road of His Rookie Guide kicking off the show today. It is available now for pre-sale. Helps get you set up for those dynasty leagues. But, Sean, we talk about the value and the importance of knowing those rookies when you get into your drafts come july august september to get that edge and the road of his rookie guide will help you do that all three volumes will be available for twenty dollars if you go in and pre-order now there will be a link in today's show notes to help you access that in a quick and timely manner there's also a link on the roadofis.com homepage if you want to check it out but sean volume one coming out early february post combine we get the second edition around march 12th and then the post nfl draft april 30th to keep you ticking over throughout the process i say early february people may be surprised sean it is the last week of january at this moment in time so not long to wait for that first version of the guide what should people be looking out for you are obviously somebody who has been heavily involved over the years with the guide what are the key selling points here for people who maybe aren't familiar with it well the guide has always been a lot of fun and i mean we have misses just like everyone else but i'm very proud of some of the big big hits and i mean even at the very top of drafts it's important you know how much weight you put on those top players everybody knew jonathan taylor was going to be a star but we had him above clyde edwards there even once you have that draft dynamic we told you to pick him in redraft we told you to pick Brees hall in redraft this season because he was a far better prospect than people were giving him credit for that looked like it was going to be a massive hit colin and you never know for sure obviously the jets offense had some real troubles as the season went along some of those things probably would have limited him but he looked like this dual threat superstar we talked (laughs) 
multiple occasions how he looked like David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, but with long speed. Now you take the best parts of Jonathan Taylor, the best parts of David Johnson. That's what Brees Hall looked like he was going to be early in his rookie season. Unfortunately, an injury robbed the NFL world, fantasy managers, of getting to see and getting the, the value of all of those points had that continued to come to fruition throughout the course of the season. But there are elements in the rookie guide that look at the history of draft prospects. You get great prospect research from guys like Blair Andrews and Dave Cabin. Obviously, Curtis Patrick, one of the top minds in the dynasty community. He helps you figure out how to move veteran players for the right spots in rookie drafts, kind of making that transition from thinking about the current players to thinking about the rookies, how you can do the trades, how you can create the most value possible tactics for building super teams. And then I obviously enjoy working with the guys on a wide variety of elements. We also have some new wrinkles that we're going to have this season. I'm excited for how each of the three portions of the guide evolves. You talked about the three kind of basic time periods there. We're going to have some cool parts in there for each of them. And more or less column, it's just draft season and prospect season is exciting. You are going through withdrawal. The Super Bowl has concluded. You finally don't have results for your main events and for your best ball mania and more recently for your gauntlet drafts and your playoff challenge. Yeah, you're going to be drafting some of these other contests. You mentioned the early things here that we have going on with the FFPC. I'm so excited for those. We have the never too early best ball tournament, the never too early super flex tournament. I love the never too early, right? One of the best teams that I had last season was one that advanced with Zachary Kruger. He obviously did a lot of cool best ball content with you during the offseason. That team advanced completely loaded. You look at some of those teams that you draft really early and they feel like all-star teams compared to what you can draft in August. That's a really fun part of it. Colin, you had I had the Superflex team that advanced to the finals there. And it was a little bit of letdown. We finished 16th out of 33. But Colin, we finished 16th and we scored zero points from our first, second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks. If you can get 16th without getting a point from your top five rounds, that's... That's not the worst finish in the world. That's a celebrate, man. We love the Superflex version of this contest. I just can't wait to draft. So I'm excited for today's show. Who's going number one? I, I want to give one more plug before we get to who's going number one, Sean. That is, for every 100 copies sold, we are giving away a one-year road of a subscription. So another reason to, to jump in there early and, and maybe you end up winning an extra bonus copy or not a bonus copy, but a bonus one year pass to rotaviz.com. And again, if you are signing up last plug for today's show, RB radio 2023 to get yourself a 10% discount off a rotaviz NFL pass. Sean, looking at these drafts, I jumped in to the command center over on rotaviz to get the latest ADP from the FFPC command center and looking through it. Let's go for round one and then we'll we'll look to see if we we jump into round two after that i think that there is case to be made who goes 101 these rankings are going to be tight end premium so it is going to have some of those tight ends in round one or two i think the clear pick though here is between justin jefferson and jamar chase for the 101 as of now justin jefferson is going 101 we get travis kelsey at the 102 jamar chase then austin eckler is the first running back 
Cooper Cup, who will be coming back from that injury. Let's see what happens with the quarterback situation heading into next season as a wide receiver three. Christian McCaffrey running back two. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Jonathan Taylor, CD Lamb, AJ Brown wrapping around to finish round one out. Sean, looking at those guys, I think it's interesting to see the jump of Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, who at this time last year, after the trades and things all went down, they were sliding into that late second round and, and some of the ADPs, they've really jumped back up questions i'm going to have for you here kicking things off one of them is justin jefferson the 101 and jamar chase kind of the wide receiver two i think that's pretty clear for me is that the order you have them in the other one is in this draft we have three running backs in the first round one tight end and that leaves us with eight wide receivers in that first round we had this discussion last offseason and i said it wouldn't hold true i think there's no way that we finish the draft season with eight wide receivers in the first round as much as I think that is the correct way to draft, I think when consensus comes to play, that's not the way it finishes up. Yeah, you're going to see some running back inflation as the offseason develops. But we do see the influence of the end of the year pretty heavily. Very heavily. Yeah, in these first handful of drafts. And that's not a surprise. You would expect fantasy managers to be waiting that but one of the questions was going to be where do the star quarterbacks go we had underdog resurrection drafts after six weeks where three quarterbacks are going in the first round obviously no quarterbacks here in the first round and no quarterbacks in the first 20 selections a little bit of that is going to be due to the quarterback injuries a little bit of that you know, even comes down to the underwhelming performance of Josh Allen in the playoffs. A little bit of that is going to be due to the fact that our buddy Patrick Crane won $2 million with Tom Brady. And those things tend to stick. I mean, one of the things that even with all the points that they were scoring, I did feel there was a narrative element of the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts barrage that was still skewing how people were seeing the season and understanding how the quarterback points were actually working and what scenarios that you would have created for yourself to win big tournaments in the last month that were not being considered by that. And then when you have one of those scenarios pay off, the quarterbacks tumble back down a little bit. Now they're going to be more expensive this year, almost certainly. We're going to have running back inflation. We might even have a little bit more QB deflation from this point as drafters kind of get back to what they see as the norm. But you're going to have to pay if you want Patrick Mahomes, if you want Josh Allen, if you want Jalen Hurts. But maybe not as much as if we had had a huge performance by a star QB in Week 17. Obviously, the Bills-Bengals game. One of the dynamics there where we're robbed of that potential performance but you mentioned the top guy. So let's look at this choice that you have when you have the 101. Last season, that choice for many drafters came down to Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor. The offense for both of those teams melts down. The quarterback situation for Taylor really kind of takes him out of what the Colts had envisioned for him. Then he has the injury. I mean, that's just been part and parcel of being the number one pick at running back over the last five, six years. The injury rate for the very top pick has been insanely high. We don't expect that to continue because it is just so 
fluky. All of the running backs in the first two rounds are not having nearly the same issue, but it is something that got him. It is something that knocks down his price right now, especially when there's so much uncertainty about what the Colts will do, a quarterback, what they'll do it, the different coaching positions. You're probably getting a discount on Taylor now compared to where he will be. But Christian McCaffrey, even as he moves from the Panthers to the 49ers, because he has this calf injury, because he's been fantastic, but not otherworldly, you have that price in the middle of the first round. I think that he will get more expensive. But right now, the 101, it's Justin Jefferson versus Travis Kelsey. Right? I mean, Jamar Chase does potentially sneak in there. It's interesting to see how people have moved on that or how you know sort of what the zeitgeist is as it relates to some of these top guys because the demerit for chase was that t higgins is too good the offense can't support multiple like top five wide receivers chase won't have the ceiling of a player like a cooper cup and if they hit a player like tyree kill Devonte adams stefan Diggs, people concerned about all of that then you see him go out and have a fantastic season even though t higgins mostly does the same thing you see him up here at the top, despite the fact that he missed a chunk with injury. I mean, should he be above Cooper Cup? Should he be above Tyreek Hill? We've been arguing that it's a good price and that he is a strong selection due to talent for a long time. I do think that the situation probably keeps him out of those top two picks. And now that we're looking at Jefferson versus Kelsey, there are no questions with Justin Jefferson, who is already a strong candidate to be considered one of the five best receivers of all time. Now he would need to extend what he's done for a reasonable time period to be deserving of that at the end of his career. But I mean, right now he's a candidate for best ever. And that player as a young player in a perfect situation has to be considered up here at the top. And then Travis Kelsey, such a field tilter, because he scores so many points and points number one are what you're chasing. One of the things that people have always had a little bit of trouble understanding is that zero RB, for example, is about locking in a huge number of points early and not chasing points at the running back position when they're not there. And for, you know, basically a decade, they weren't there. You have the rise of the Uber back. You have some anchor running back bills that you can attempt, but it's mostly about locking in a huge number of points. And then, using chaos using contingency-based drafting to build in a lot of upside later but travis kelsey the perfect example of getting a lot of points and getting them in a position where you otherwise can't do it and so i mean he's a a perfect pick up at the top especially now that we've been able to fully digest how the 2022 season has played out. He had the slow stretch to finish. That was a little bit more what I expected to see. That was the defensive attention that I thought would not keep him from scoring, but keep him from being the 101. And then he goes out and has 14 receptions in a playoff game. And we're right back to this thing of, I mean, even when defenses know that's the only thing they have to do, they cannot do it. And I mean, 34 next season, but when you're looking at the age element, you always have to look at whether or not the players are trending down at all. And a mild trend down when a player is older can foreshadow the cliff because it's usually going to come as a cliff. We don't see that right now with Travis Kelsey. There's risk for any player to get hurt or to see their career go off of the cliff. I'm, there's less 
cliff risk with a Jefferson or a Chase, for example. But when you're looking at Kelsey, when you're looking at Eckler, when you're looking at Cup, when you're looking at Christian McCaffrey, especially with some of these injuries that he has had, I mean, could he very quickly go the route that Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara went this season? I mean, obviously he could. Kelsey, in some ways, actually feels cleaner than those players, even though he's older because of the production that he had just this past season. And we went into last year's offseason. Yeah, they lose Tyree Kill. That's going to potentially create more floor and more ceiling for his volume. But you knew that they were going to address the receiver position. They go out and get Juju. They go out and get MVS. They draft Sky Moore. They make the midseason acquisition of Kadarius Toney. Those acquisitions more or less all failed. And yet the Chiefs still had the NFL's best offense. We don't know for sure. That, that is going to lock them into a mentality where like we don't need receivers and or we obviously have to see what tony and more can bring us before we break the bank or blow an early round pick on yet another play like that my feeling about it and there's still some uncertainty here but i think there's less of a concern this season that the Chiefs will add in a way that siphons a significant amount of volume than there was last offseason. You combine that with what he did from a scoring perspective, and um, you've got to have him at the 102. I would still take Justin Jefferson at the top. But Travis Kelsey, I mean, I think he's the guy there. Colin, it sounded like you wanted to make an argument for or also believe that Jamar Chase could be just right there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I think Jamar Chase is is right there. And I know there's the advantage you mentioned, kind of a recency bias for what has happened in the, the last couple of weeks of the season. There is a chance for Jamar Chase to go into the AFC Championship and advance to the Super Bowl, have two monster games, and for that recency bias to creep him even further up. But I do think Justin Jefferson is ahead of him at this moment in time. Uh, and I would have him as the wide receiver too at this point. But I think it's very, very close. You're splitting hairs. It feels like one of those situations where sometimes if you had the second pick or the third pick we've talked about this in some of our recent drafts over at underdog that sometimes you can pick the player that's remaining and, and still feel very positive about the options that you have there looking at how things are playing out so far you start off with those two young guys that we mentioned in jefferson and chase and then you have cooper cup tyreek hill Devontae adam stefan Diggs, so more veteran here you have then kind of the next age of veterans and cd lamb and aj brown at the back end of things Looking at last year's ADP through this point through mid-February, they were very similar in terms of the wide receivers that were going in the first two rounds. There was eight wide receivers going in the first two rounds last year, all the same names, barring Debo Samuel 
and CD Lamb swapping places in those two situations, the exact same name Stroud. But I mentioned that in that first round at this point last year, we had seven running backs going off the board, just the four wide receivers, and then Travis Kelsey at tight end. Through the opening two rounds, Sean, 13 running backs went off the board, eight wide receivers, three tight ends. The other two tight ends being Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. So looking at how things are shaping up this year, so far we have 13 wide receivers going off the board, seven running backs. So we have nearly flipped wide receiver to running back. Do you think that with more people maybe playing you know, at, at underdog, more zero RB based teams, that we will see that filter across? Or do you think that what I was saying earlier about the, the balance going back to what we've kind of continued to see, particularly at the FFPC with more running backs and those opening rounds will we'll continue to give just a, a brief mention through round two to give people an idea as you talk through this. Uh, Bijan Robinson, first rookie off the board. He's the running back four. Najee Harris, running back five. Saquon Barkley, Amon Ross St. Brown, Mark Andrews, Debo Samuel, Devontae Smith, TJ Hawkinson, Jalen Waddle, Kenneth Walker. Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback off the board at the back of that second round, and then T. Higgins. So looking through some of those, there's a number of players who have jumped numerous rounds in that particular, the main ones being Kenneth Walker and TJ Hawkinson. I think both were the jumps as well based on what they done over the, the second half of this season surprised at where Najee Harris has settled so far questions in that second round after you answer the part about the the landscape that I led off with sometimes I do this where I ask too many questions in one go but uh Bijan Robinson do you think that he is a borderline first round pick once he enters the NFL this year and with Robinson drafters are going to give him the full credit for being what we argued that Brees Hall was and turned out to be they're going to give Robinson credit for that right away and are going to be a little bit less concerned about his draft spot than they were for Hall. So you have this perception of even greater talent, this perception of him as a Saquon Barkley level player and Barkley drafted in this range immediately and immediately paid off Ezekiel Elliott drafted in this range and immediately paid off People are going to be able to very easily match that in their minds, even if there are actually risks that are not pulled in by simply having those two previous examples. Right? You have someone like Anashi Harris who brings some of those same skills, and even though he was really ridiculously inefficient as a rookie, because you have the that specific workload, it's hard for him to underperform the level by enough that it was a clear miss. And so you're thinking in terms of floor, and even if I'm wrong, I get a player where if he stays healthy, then that'll work within my overall build if I do a good job. If I'm right, then you have an instant league winner. But his price, once you get into the summer, is going to depend a lot on where he goes and just how good of a situation that is. I mean, you could see him jump up in the, to the middle of the first round. You could see him fall kind of to the 2-3 turn. Based on that situation, that's an unknown but yeah, I mean, he's going to be in that area. There are some other backs who almost certainly will rise into this group, depending on what we hear for sort of off-season recovery. A Brees Hall is a player that could be up there if you get the right news on the recovery. Javante Williams. 
Javante Williams, the other back in a similar situation where people are very concerned, I think especially about Williams as we've already gotten some kind of ahead of schedule rumors or perhaps reporting, but rumors on Brees Hall. Either of those two guys have immense upside. And so in that situation, you're going to have a lot of drafters hanging on to the concern that that played out and ended up being really the overriding factor for a J.K. Dobbins. But one of the elements with Hall and with Williams is that those players have even a much higher ceiling than Dobbins had. So when you're thinking about risk-reward, the risks may be similar, but the upside is of having the top player overall. If either of those guys had stayed healthy, at the very least, they would be in the mix in that 103 range with Jamar Chase, if not perhaps challenging to be the top overall pick. When you have that much upside, you got to track the injury recovery very closely. Another back who doesn't factor in here and would seem to have multiple scenarios that really any of them push him up into round two would be Josh Jacobs. Another back who's interesting is, I mean, Joe Mixon is coming off of yet another season where his combination of expected points and points over expected draw the picture of someone who is a good, not great fantasy player. In the early going here, it may be a situation where drafters are are more enthusiastic, willing to take some more risks, willing to play for fun as the season goes along. And we just witnessed a 20-point game from him in the playoffs against Buffalo, I mean, there are a lot of reasons to believe that Mixon is actually a better pick now than he has been during this stretch when he's going at the one-two turn. So I would expect him to get up in there. I would expect Derrick Henry to get up into there. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, I don't think so. But the other player, especially if we start to see a turnaround with the New England Patriots, it. It's hard for me to believe that Ramondre Stevenson, with how good he was, that if the vibes around the Patriots offense are better this offseason, it's hard for me to see him not sneaking into round two. Because last season, with a lot more uncertainty about, number one, how good he was, number two, what his role would be, and number three, just how much the Patriots offense could potentially limit any or all of their players he makes this move from the round 11-ish range up into that round 7, even round 6 range, and then pays off in a big way at that price. Based on what we know and the importance of running backs to a lot of drafters and the importance of hitting on an upside back if you want to win tournaments, Ramondre Stevenson looks like a player who will be hard to pass on when you're already looking at lesser wide receiver options they're at the 2-3 turn, in part because when all those receivers go in the first round, you're having tier breaks quickly at the wide receiver position. And that's similar to what we always had with running backs, and where you say, don't chase. I mean, you're drafting at the end of the first round. You're already drafting maybe multiple tiers down. You're giving away huge numbers of points if you chase running backs there. The issue in this new world is that you can run into that same problem at wide receiver but you can also run into the wide receiver avalanche. So you have to navigate those those two elements. And that would be the argument that people would have always made about running backs 
in the past is, well, I mean, you've got to draft them sometime. Do I, if I'm already behind, do I want to get even more behind by waiting? But the contingency-based element of running back emergence and backups scoring big points at crucial times, that dynamic a little bit stronger for running backs than it can be for wide receivers. The other element that you're seeing evolve here and change the landscape, number one, but also influence your tactics is that as drafters have gotten savvier about who the breakout players are going to be, you don't necessarily get those gifts in the same way in rounds six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, 2022, a rough year for rookies because the scoring is down and because a lot of rookies go into situations where they take the brunt of that. I think that's going to not necessarily hold down those players ADP because fantasy managers still understand that year two is where you get the breakout. And so if you're going to get some even mild discounts, you want to take them. But I think it will actually hurt the 2023 rookies, especially maybe at the wide receiver position that isn't unbelievably loaded with high-end options. So you're going to be able to feather some of those picks in. We know that rookies continue to get more expensive through the draft process. Sometimes you end up with prices that turn out to be absurd. The Sky more picks obviously didn't pan out last season. But there are things you can do structurally through this. I do think the fact that a zero RB team, the King Caps team, won the regular season, not like a, a three-week sprint, but won the regular season and was the power team in underdog. People finally understanding number one and admitting number two that that is either A, a viable way to play, or B, even a dominant way to play, influences some of these decisions where in the past, maybe you're thinking, okay, I don't really like my running back options, but I needed to be an anchor team if I really want to have a chance. Now people will just pick the wide receiver if that's the guy they wanted anyway. It doesn't necessarily mean people are going to shift, but if you had actually wanted the wide receiver, people will take it. A handful of small decisions like that can move the market enough and then can have a cascade effect that's large enough that you're going to see a very different kind of draft. Both formats have reasons that wide receivers would really help you and they kind of offset, but an underdog, you have the half PPR that would be good for running backs. I do think that a lot of power teams are going to want that flex to be a running back with the half PPR scoring, but the fact that it's locked into a two, three, one, with that one being a flex is very meaningful in terms of how you have to put that team together. Connor had a great article on that last season, helping people understand from a numbers perspective, a scoring perspective, how that works, how it needs to change your baselines, the types of picks that you need to make the volume of receivers you have to draft to make that work. In FFPC, you had the full PPR. And so when you're talking about winning the flex, you prefer to have receivers in the flex and you have two of the flexes and so that makes it even more powerful that you want the receivers the difference though is that in a 2-2-2 is that teams that maybe benefit from a wide receiver avalanche and hit so if you hit on the josh jacobs you hit on the miles sanders you have the four running backs in the flex or the four running backs in your starting lineup because you have the two starters and the two in the flex those teams can also be power teams so the 2-2-2 because it gives more outs opens things back up a little bit to take advantage of running back prices in a way that you don't necessarily have if you overdraft running backs and underdog. So a balancing effect to where we probably should see ADPs that are 
vaguely similar. We know we're probably going to see ADPs that are similar because there's a lot of overlap and kind of leakage across these contests in terms of people playing them and people using ADP in a way that kind of gets locked. One of the things that you hear a lot and is important to keep in mind is the value of the wisdom of crowds, the difficulty in beating ADP through you know your own rankings, through expert projections. And yet, because early ADP creates a locking effect to where drafters are going to be trying to get good prices on their players and trying to diversify, that's going to keep you from getting some of the shifts that you might otherwise get. So you have to look for players, places where the prices are almost certainly wrong, and you're not going to get moves off of those incorrect prices except for at the times where you have news because news then sparks movement and sometimes that movement corrects a mistake sometimes it actually exaggerates a price that was already in the wrong direction so it's not that prices won't move but they're going to move based on external events as opposed to people actually contributing to this market in a way that fixes the prices i think it's gonna be interesting to see how it does shake out i think at the moment Feels to me like we might get a, you know, a, a six five one. I think Kelsey's obviously in the the first round. I think it'll be uh, six wide receivers, five running backs, and one tight end. Might be the way it, it shakes out. Looking back though to what I mentioned, Sean, about last year and some of the players that were in those first two rounds, we see that movement every year where players fall out, players move up, for example. But so from last year to this year, Derek Henry was running back four in the first round. He is not in these first two rounds. I do think we'll see him start to move up but what i'm very interested in is what round three through five looks like because there's a number of players who have you mentioned Brees hall obviously as well jaunty williams who we talked about somebody like kyle pitts be interesting to see with george kittle's end to the season and how he finishes through the rest of the playoffs where he lands but other players that have fallen out of that is dalvin cuckoo you touched on as well um alvin kamara then we have looking through it deandre swift is the other one but the the two that you forget that we're in this range last year, Sean. Cam Akers was running back 11, who then, after everything that happened this season, had a pretty strong end to the season. Antonio Gibson was running back 13, last pick of the second round at this stage last year. So lots of changes there. The other running back, running back 12, was Nick Chubb. But the wide receivers, as I mentioned, all remained the same as those guys that went in the first round. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch this over the next couple of weeks, jump into some drafts. But I do think now round three through five has me very intrigued for how that is going to settle up. But that is going to do it for today's edition of the show. I mentioned at the start, the Road of His Rookie Draft Guide is now available. Links to that in today's show notes if you're interested in checking that out. First copy drafts or first copy falls around the start of February. So sign up today for that pre-order. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Arden. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out his work up on rotoviz.com. And until we are back later in the week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.